Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a mental health platform that provides direct online counseling and therapy services via web or phone text communication. You don't even need to use flu powder in order to access a therapist through BetterHelp. I think we can all tell in book five that if you keep your feelings bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off of your chest if you don't have access to Dumbledore's office. I know in my life, therapy has helped me identify patterns to help me interrupt ones that I don't feel like are healthy and find better ways to cope. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com dot com slash sacred text today to get 10% off your first month. That's better help com slash sacred text. Hi, everyone. It's Vanessa. Welcome to the latest episode of the women of Harry Potter. What you are going to hear is me and my friend Bridget Goggin, a frequent guest on our podcast, blessing Cho Chang. We love Cho so much. We made her our most recent patron saint. We made her the patron saint of criers, so of me. So if you're one of our patrons, at a certain level, you get a Cho Chang pin. And Bridget and I just have a wonderful time blessing our darling Cho. I hope you enjoy this. Hello, Bridget. Hello, Vanessa. Can you introduce yourself to everyone, please? I'm Bridget Goggin. I work at a reform synagogue, and I run the adult education program there, and I'm obsessed with Harry Potter. Great. Anything else you want to add? Um, I'm also obsessed with my cats, and I'm also obsessed with romance novels. You're a perfect person. We invited you here today to bless a woman of Harry Potter. Whom are you going to bless, and what for? I'm going to bless today Cho Chang. Ugh, love her. I love Cho Chang. I just feel so much for her. Not like, oh, I feel for you. No, not a bless your heart kind of thing. Like, she just gives me all of the feelings. What I really love about Cho is her ability to hold on to kindness and a view of the world that is good and pure while also acknowledging that it's time to fight, it's time to stand up, 
that normal rules don't apply. Yeah, she always maintains kindness even in awkward situations, right? When Harry asks her to the Yule Ball when she already has a date, she's like so kind to him. When Draco pretends to be a Dementor at one of the Quidditch games, even though she is technically like on an opposite team from Harry, she's like worried about him and points it out to him, right? Like kindness always supersedes like self-interest or awkwardness or anything like that for Cho. Absolutely. And I think that she she's not afraid to show that it takes a toll on her to live in this world that is so scary. I find her openness and her willingness to be sad and scared and angry in front of other people is really inspiring to me. It really means a lot to me how much she is seen crying and how open and vulnerable she is around that as someone who publicly weeps a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I have chosen to see my tears as like strength, as fertilizer for like my power. I really see that in Cho. Yeah. Is there a specific moment that you want to draw our attention to with the amazing Cho? Yes. Everything involving her friend Marietta, I think, deserves to be blessed. Marietta is the friend who she drags along to the hogshead for the like beginnings of the DA. And you can tell through the whole thing that Cho is like, Marietta, we are here. This is what we're doing. Marietta, we're signing this. This is what we're doing. Like she's forceful with her friend Marietta. And you learn something about Cho because Marietta listens to Cho. And like, I think that the, it shows a deep friendship, a deep trust between the two of them with how they interact with that. And then when Marietta tells Umbridge about the DA and Hermione's jinx, like, scars her face permanently, forever, Cho does not stand by that. Cho confronts Harry about it. They argue about Hermione. I often think that that conversation gets construed with Cho's jealousy about Harry and Hermione's relationship, but I really see Cho's just like deep commitment to what is right and wrong with how you treat people and thinks that Hermione and Harry, they've crossed a line with how they've treated Marietta. And like Cho doesn't deny how important the DA is. She doesn't give up the fight against Voldemort. She doesn't think that Umbridge is good, like she's on the right side. And yet she thinks that the punishment put on Marietta is like extreme and and not okay. And I love that she's willing to stand up for it. Her relationship with Harry, their like flirtation ends after that. And, you know, we're in Harry's mind more and like it feels, it can easily feel like a decision Harry is making, like, oh, that dramatic Cho Chang. But I like to think that it was her being like, no. Like, you can still teach me how to do expelliarmus, but this is not a thing anymore because you don't treat people that way. And she is so loyal to Marietta that she is willing to forgive Marietta. But in that conversation with Harry, she says, like, I know she messed up, but she messed up for good reasons. And Harry is loyal to Hermione in a completely different way, where he is not willing to say, like, she went too far 
but she did it for good reasons, in which case I think that they could find a middle ground of like both of our friends messed up a little bit and we judged them a little bit, but they both came from really good places and like let's forgive them and forgive each other. And so she is modeling right in front of Harry like how to be a really good friend without being like a blind loyalist. Harry is just being like, nope, Hermione's always right. And so Cho is right to be jealous of that, right? And be like, that is a relationship that's going to get in the way of you and I becoming closer because you don't question Hermione, which makes Hermione like a cult leader, not a friend. I completely agree. I love that view of how Cho is seeing Harry and Hermione's relationship there. And that it's not just about like, oh, you spend more time with her. You prefer her. It's that like you're you're setting aside reason and qualities that I think are important, like forgiveness and understanding and discernment. And you're not using those right now. The other thing they think is incredible about Cho and how she responds to Marietta is like, Cho is not naive in how terrible things are. Like her boyfriend died publicly and tragically because of Voldemort. And she had to grieve that loss publicly. Like there's a trauma in losing someone. And then there's a trauma of being a grieving woman in the world. Like both of those are very traumatic things to experience. And yet it almost bolsters her commitment to understanding what is right and wrong and how you treat people. Whereas Harry, Ron, Hermione, like the way that they respond to the trauma that they're experiencing, they're more willing to sacrifice people and the right way to treat people because of the like fight ahead. And I have a lot of empathy for how they have to respond to that world. But I just I feel so inspired by Cho she still fights in the Battle of Hogwarts. She's still committed to the cause. And yet she's like, I think that it's okay for me to forgive my friend having a moment of weakness. I hadn't thought of that, that given that Cedric has died and that she has felt so personally how much is at stake in this war, she could easily give in to like whatever base feeling she had of being like, you're basically a Nazi sympathizer, Marietta. You crossed a line. You chose the side of evil. We're done, right? Like, that could have very easily been her response. But instead, right, like, she maintains this sense of empathy of, like, her parents work at the ministry. And and she was scared for real reasons. And I think that by doing that, she, like, doesn't let the bad guys win by, like, not letting them determine who she's going to be. One of the ways that, like, bad guys win is that they lower our discourse. And Cho is like, I'm not having that conversation. I'm going to always have this more elevated and more nuanced conversation. Yeah. I don't know how actively Cho is thinking that, like, I could cut out Marietta right now, but then I would be losing a great friend, an ally, and someone who could still be on the right side of the history here with me. I don't know how much foresight she's putting, the intention she's putting into why her actions are good. They seem to be inherent to her. I'm not sure how much work Cho is having to put in to her forgiveness of Marietta. We don't really get to see the internal battle she has of how hard it is for her or not hard. The way it's presented is she is like, this is what happens. When she goes and approaches Harry about what Hermione did, the jinx, um, and Marietta's face, she's going into it like what she's saying is reasonable. 
And that's, I really love that. She's not going in ready to have to defend this argument about why Marietta deserves to be forgiven for this and why the actions taken against her and her punishment is too severe and inhumane. And I love how reasonable she thinks she is. Um, And I would love to enter more arguments believing that what I'm saying doesn't have to be debated. Like, what a powerful thing that she does. I mean, maybe if she went in more prepared, she could convince Harry otherwise. No. (laughs) I'm I'm also just thinking about there's a line in the Kabbalah, which I know from a movie, not from having studied the Kabbalah, that God counts the tears of women, that tears are a way— of keeping an accounting of the pain in the world. I think we can take away the gendered aspect of what the Kabbalah says, but like that God counts our tears and that at the end of that fight with Harry, he is so nasty to her about the fact that she cries, right? He he says to her like, what are you going to do, cry? And it's like, well, you know what? There should be more tears about this whole thing. If everybody spent more time crying, there would be fighting less. We'd be more in touch with our feelings and what's at risk. And so I think that these two things are linked, right? The fact that she cries is like part of her honesty and fairness and goodness, right? Like she's crying out of empathy. She's crying out of a sense of like, it's complicated. I like this boy named Harry and I'm still grieving this other boy. And like, She's just, like, willing to live in this in-between place where, like, Marietta messed up, but so did Hermione. And so if you're willing to live in that in-between place, of course there are tears involved. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also always surprised that she doesn't start crying there because when someone's like, are you going to cry now or don't cry the fury it makes me feel makes me cry. Like yeah. I that I, number, And I'll be like, I'm not crying, and like as I'm actively crying. And it's just— the injustice of it. (laughs) Harry has so much anger. Like his trauma is expressed through anger. And the people around him are just more willing to deal with that than they are with Cho's sadness. And it doesn't feel fair. And it makes it all the more amazing to me that she still stands up for what she needs to say to him. And she's not bullied into thinking that her sadness is some kind of weakness or plague of any kind or a burden on anybody else. Like, screw you. This is how I'm dealing with this. Like, you go yell at someone and I'm going to be here and crying into my tea and then we'll be fine. And like, then we can move on with things and do what's really important. And yeah, I just want to be more like Cho Chang all the time. She's like the Bodhisattva of the Harry Potter books. She's like, I'm here to witness the pain and feel your pain. Yeah. And so I'm just going to always be weeping. And then and then I'll stand by you and fight with you and learn all the spells I need to learn to like really get this thing done. Like she knows that there's a fight to be fought and she's ready and powerful and and capable. And like if she cried through the whole battle of Hogwarts, that is the fan fiction I would write. Is her just like weeping and like stunning death eaters. And her tears somehow magically healing everybody. Yes. Just, like, feel your feelings, Cho Chang, and, like, forgive your friend and fight for good. So I have a quiz for you. Great. It's really obvious. You can probably guess what the quiz is. (laughs) Cho Chang is Welsh. Oh, yes. And one of the only Welsh people I know of is the poet Dylan Thomas. Great. So this is a trivia quiz about Dylan Thomas. 
I know nothing about Dylan Thomas, so I'm really ready to crush this. Yeah. I have great first-time beginner's luck. I'm the best at things when I know nothing about them, so. Well, here we go. I'm going to start with the most pretentious question. Great. So Dylan Thomas's most famous poem is Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night, which he wrote about his father dying. Do Not Go Gentle is A, a Shakespearean sonnet, B, a Petrarchan sonnet, C, a villanelle, or D, a ballad. D, a ballad. Ooh, I'm so sorry. It's a villanelle. Darn. I almost picked Villanelle because I'm obsessed with Killing Eve, but then I was like, mm, that's a bad reason to pick an answer. There are no bad reasons to pick answers. All right, I'm going to go with my gut next time. Okay, so the next question is, what made Dylan Thomas world famous? A, his tour of America. B, his drinking habits. C, his habits with women. D, his poetry. B, his drinking habits? So it was actually A. He, like Dickens, did a tour of America where he was, like, so charming and interesting and, like, old-fashioned. And a lot of it was that he would just, like, drink whiskey on stage and, like, get drunk while reading poetry. But, like, the press coverage of his American tours are what made him, like, world famous. I, um, I'm going to give myself a half point there. Because, <laughs> yes, his drinking was involved. Mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely. Back in the days when drunk men were, like, charming on stage. Totally. Mm, yeah. Not, yeah. No, thank you anymore. Thanks. <laughs> no. I'm a little bit worried about my pronunciation of this next question. Okay. So please be patient with me, especially to our Welsh listeners. Which of the following names was the creative moniker that Thomas crafted for himself. A, the infant Shakespeare. B, the Hardy of Abbasworth. C, the Dante of the Valleys. Or D, the Rimball of Quenich Drive. Can I ask a follow-up, but can I ask a question for a hint? Yeah, but I might not know the answer. I stole this question from a Guardian quiz. What's the geography of Wales? Is it hilly or valley-y or mountain-y? Like, what, are there valleys in well, Wales? Really? You want me to answer that? Is that the answer? I'm going to guess C, the Dante <laughs> of the valleys. Um, I do think there are valleys. That's my answer, Dante of the valleys. No, I'm sorry. It was D, the Rimbod of Quanakin Drive. Darn. Yeah. I'm so bad at Dylan Thomas trivia. Also, he was bad at giving himself monikers. That's so lame. What's a Rimbaud? We've Googled it, and it turns out that Rimbaud was a poet. And so there was a theme to these. There's Shakespeare, Hardy, Dante, and Rimbaud. And we're very sorry to all the people who were offended by our ignorance. Last question, Bridget, but it is worth all the points. So if you get this right, you win. Okay. Dylan Thomas and Igor Stravinsky wanted to meet for years to collaborate on an opera. They finally set a date and time to meet. Thomas stood up Stravinsky for which of the following reasons? A, he was too drunk even though it was a breakfast meeting. B, he was so consumed by a poem that he couldn't put his pen down. C, he misunderstood and thought that the meeting was in Paris when really it was in New York. Or D, he was dead. This is the best quiz question I have ever heard. Did you write this one? I did. This is so good. Thank you. 
I wrote it with the help of my beloved Peter Mueller, who we will thank in the credits this week. Oh, boy. Um, huh, I really want it to be C, but I think it's D. It was D. He died that morning. Um, I feel bad that I just put my hands in the air for getting that right. As you read, he died that morning. <laughs> Sorry, Dylan Thomas. But hooray me! <laughs> Stravinsky ended up writing music to be played to Do Not Go Gentle for Thomas's funeral. I wonder if Cho Chang is inspired by Dylan Thomas and would maybe have read some of Do Not Go Gentle at Cedric's funeral. Aww. That's so cute. Like grave men near death who see with blinding sight. Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. But in her great Welsh accent. Rage, rage. That does feel like something she would say. And she's a Ravenclaw, so like she's going to turn to the classics to like express her feelings. Absolutely. I really feel like that is what she would do. And Dylan Thomas really liked to think of himself as a romantic poet, even though, like, it was W.H. Auden. It, like, it was this, like, time of modernism. Mm. He was like, no, I'm Keats. And I think that Cho is, like, like that, too. She's like, I'm not ironic and postmodern. I'm going to cry. Yeah. Oh, I feel—yes, that is exactly what she said. I just love her rage, rage, like, as she's crying. Yeah. I'm feeling that. Go, Cho. Go, Cho. Well, Bridget, we would like to thank you so much for coming into the studio to bless Cho Chang. It's my actual dream. I can't wait to do it again. Please bring me back. (laughs) Wow, that was a little pathetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not above begging. (laughs) This week's episode of The Women of Harry Potter was co-produced by me, Vanessa Zoltan, and Ariana Nettleman, and edited by Chelsea Urson. Our music is by Nick Bull, and special thanks this week to Peter Mueller, who helped me write the quiz. We are a Not Sorry production, and you can follow us on Twitter and review us on iTunes. Please do! This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.